that, that, that is, that is, that is uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That is inherently flawed. What is it we're serving? What we're serving in the... No, you don't have to, because that's essentially the point. In other words, when you're describing... When you're saying, let's say I'm married, right? I'm in a relationship with, between my husband and wife. Who, am, I, am, I, am I having a relationship with my wife as a person in the sense of seeing the person in different building a relationship? No one thinks that way. That's not the relationship you have with your wife. You don't think of a person, per se, and thinking you're having a relation with it, with her. The idea of the relationship is in itself. It's sort of the, the, the concept or the relationship idea, sort of the fact that itself is creating the relationship. Okay? In other words, there's this sublime, transcendent idea that is forging two people together and they live within the relationship. They don't live as independent, distinct entities that you're building a connection to. Philosophy tries to create two distinct, separate, separate things, and because of that, they create this clash. There's the creator and there's the creation. The creation having a relation with the creator. And that's why, as we'll probably see either today or tomorrow, why philosophy, Aristotle, reject the whole idea to have a relationship with God, because they're basically, through that, you're, you're creating a flaw within God that God is going to change based on us, God has to now relate to us, God has to have some, right, uh, relatability, or God has to be influenced by a sort of this question of God's simplicity, right? And this was all motivated by Aristotle's idea of God. And the problem is, is that that is seeing God as a distinct entity, where you're trying to separate God from other creations, but by doing that very same thing, you're therefore saying, but there's still an entity called God, there's an ontological so to speak, way of defining God. That's ridiculous. In the world of Hasidus, that's a non-starter. There is no such a thing. A relationship is not a distinct entity called my wife. You understand? A relationship in itself transcends both. In service of God, I'm not serving an it or a what or a how. Right? It's not a thing that I'm having a relationship with. Right? Because the idea of a definition, the idea of a term, the idea of a concept, is in itself a flawed notion when it comes to God. That's a philosophical construct to try to deal with trying to make sense of things in a logical way. That's what I'm saying, how language creates this, this, this false perception of things because it creates that there's a need to identify things as being a thing. So God is, is not a thing. So what is it that's happening? I can't, I, can't, I can't say what is it you're having a relationship with. I don't know, that might be a semantic problem. Okay, so what is... What, what, is, it what is happening when you're having a relationship with your wife? Like, okay, you're not married yet, but like, what's the idea of a relationship? What's happening? The thing is, I know you're, you're developing what? I know okay, so the obvious. Okay, so that's a different question. When you're that is my question. okay, so that's a different discussion. When you're okay, so don't come from a philosophical standpoint because the philosophical standpoint confuses the question. When you're trying to rationalize it, it confuses the question. What you're asking is the question that we're all bothered by. Okay, and that is actually this week's parsha. The famous story that Hayyemim quotes that the Friedrich, that the Rebbe Rashab is this recording? Yeah. Okay. That the Rebbe. Okay, fine. That the Rebbe. That's no, fine. That the Rebbe Rashab came. His birthday is in is Chalchesen, right? So the story goes in Parshas Vayera. He uh, he. His he, birthday. He, birthday. His birthday. No, the story is with his birthday. Rebbe Rashab, it's his birthday. I'm getting confused now myself. Anyway, the story goes that Yemim says he comes to the Rebbe Rashi, he, he gets Yechidus for his birthday when he's either four or five years old, that it's Sanach Tzedek, and the Sanach Tzedek, and he starts crying. Sanach Tzedek asks, Why are you crying? He says, Because it says, I learned today in Chumash that it says, God appeared to Abraham Avinu. Why doesn't God appear himself to me? And Abraham Avinu, uh, and, 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 and he's crying, and, and Sanach Tzedek explains the famous line. I mean, a yid, a tzaddik, or just a yid, the Rebbe has a diak, whether it's a yid, a tzaddik, whatever, 
is machlet, he makes a decision to have a circumcision at 99 years old, he is worthy, so to speak, of having the divine revelation to him. Okay? Now, without getting into the philosophical idea of a revelation of God or godliness and all that area, that very question is something that we all have, which is exactly, the, I think, exactly your question. If I, am, if I am being told, and this is, by the way, the problem, because I think I'm being told, but I'm not going to get to that argument now. But if I am being told that I need to have a relationship with God, or I am in a relationship with God, and I need to invest and commit and do things in that relationship, where is that God? What am I connecting to? What's on the other end type of thing, right? This question has been the problem for many. It's not just a problem uh, on, a, on a religious level. It's a problem of, like you said, even philosophically or ontologically, like, is there another thing? Is there an entity? Is there, what is, what is going on here? So in our minds, we can't grasp the idea of God. So we therefore have to either create it as a thing. Um, Martin Buber, I don't know if you're familiar, Martin Buber, he was a Jewish existentialist in the beginning of the 1900s. He writes a book. He has a book called um, I Am Thou. You read that book? Tried. Tried. It's a great book. Not easy. Not easy. Great book. But in sort of in that book, he's describing this idea. That's, that's pretty much his objection, objection, his objective. Okay? In other words, when you try to create in a relationship an I, that in itself is the antithesis of the relationship. But we, because we're feeling outside of the relationship, we therefore need to create the I. Either the I as a physical I, a philosophical I, an it, right? The it and the thou, right? He discusses that idea. Is, it, is there a something else that I'm trying to, that I need, that I'm connecting to? And because of that, if I find that it or that I, I feel like, okay, therefore I'm, I could identify the thing that I'm building a relationship with. In, with God, that all breaks down. There is no such a it or an I, right? There is no other Right? It's the purity of, of God, which again is undefinable, osmos, or whatever words you want to use, which is by definition undefinable. Which therefore begs the problem, so therefore what, what type of experience? What, not, not just what do I believe in, but what I believe in is not such a problem, because I could, I could, I could argue that the Creator, or, the, or God that creates, whatever that is, or not what that is, but the thing that we call, like the Rebbe has a sikha, the Rebbe says, why do we refer to God as the Oibishter? Right? Right? We call God the Oibishter. Anybody following with? Yeah, does that mean? Oibishter means the one above. Right? Why is God referred to as the Oibishter? Because there's no other way to define it. The best we could say is Oibishter. The thing that's above us. The thing that we can't comprehend. Hashem is the name. Right? Hashem, the name. There's no, it's not a definable thing. It's not a definable entity. It's not a, it's not a philosophical idea. You just say it's, it's something that just, it's, the cre it's on some level a creator, but beyond that, it's not even a creator. It's, it's beyond that. It doesn't exist. In, in, in God's simplicity, they try to also bring out this idea that there's no existence, meaning even the definition of existence by God is not the definition, which is based on the Rambam. It's based on the Rambam's idea that it's a Nsiyas built in Ninsa. But even that in itself, is corrupted by a philosophical idea of existence, which I'm not going to get into. In other words, the, the Aristotelian idea of existence based on motion, movement, and so on and so forth, that's where it distinguishes from. But not that it distinguishes in the concept of Messias, that's where Chassidus talks about. I'm having a conversation here, but I don't know if everybody's familiar with all these ideas. But, but, but that point I just want to get to, this is something I think we could all appreciate, and we'll see. I think the Kuzari is going to highlight this point maybe, but... You're, 
we're struggling with the Vayeri Eloha from. We want to feel that we're actually connecting to something that is, that is real. I'm davening, who am I davening to? What am I davening to? What is going on here? I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to feel like an idiot, right? And what the Tanakh Tzedek's answer is, um, from my, my understanding, the Tanakh Tzedek's answer is a very fundamental idea of a relationship, which is the deeper I invest, the more I experience the relationship. In a relationship between a husband and a wife, as I said, yes, the, in that case, there is a very physical person, which you may be physically attracted to, you may be emotionally attracted to, you may be intellectually There is it's that you could be attracted to. But that's not the, that's not the be-all and end-all in the relationship. If it is, I feel very bad. I don't feel, I would say that I feel sorry for that relationship. Because that's not a relationship. That's like buying a computer and liking its, its, um, uh, its uh, what level of... Uh, marrying for money. What? Marrying for money. Or marrying for money. But what its features have, right? Like what, how fast its processor is, how fast of uh, its internet, whatever it is, right? So now, in other words, when you define a relationship based on that, it becomes very much bogged. It's not a relationship. You understand? You're not building a relationship. So in your relationship with your wife, the more you invest, the more the, mean, the means, what does it mean investment in a relationship? The more you strip beer, your own ego, your own self, you remove the philosophical side, the logical side, the emotional side, that allows you to tap into an experience of something of the other person. If you go on a date with a girl and you marry this girl, the whole process of the dating was all feeling yourself. Because what are you feeling when you find this girl that's taking over your life, right? What's being triggered? The ultimate yes, the ultimate you. The ultimate you is being triggered. You feel good. She makes you feel like a million bucks. You appreciate her intellect. You appreciate her emotions. You feel she could understand you. She looks good. All of these things are what? Selfish things. They're all basically about you. At that stage in the, in, in the dating and then the actual engagement process, it's all selfish. It's not real love. It's not real connection. It's not real. It's not a relationship. It's selfish. When you actually are in the relationship and then you actually have to break yourself where it's not about how you feel, it's not about how you enjoy their intellect, it's not how you feel their, their emotions. Not that they're not dear, but that's not what develops the relationship. So then you're actually fully in tune with the person. There's a connection that is not physically describable, emotionally describable, intellectually describable. It's a state of is. Okay? And that's depending on how much of an investment you are. In modern days, people don't even know what that means. So for modern days, a marriage, a healthy, successful marriage, is if you still enjoy having marital relations with each other, basically. In other words, you still find the other person attractive. If you don't, you divorce. I'm being very, obviously, very extreme here, but that's sort of the idea. Because it's basically limited to what you feel good about, how you feel about the relationship. It's not about really investing in the relationship. Does it have to do with personality? I would say certain personalities have a harder time. People that are more um, are more nurturers by nature, or people that have the ability to give up on themselves faster, have a much easier time in a relationship. People who are more logically inclined. I could talk for myself. The notion of marriage was so foreign to me, and I fought it tooth and nail, even at the point where I knew I needed that this is the person I want to marry, marry, want, whatever. But that idea was so foreign to me, was so strong of an opposition from my logical side of point of view that it really I just wanted to just run away from it because yeah there are certain people that have a much harder time to make that jump 
But that itself is the point of the relationship. So if you're going to ask me, where is God? Or you want to know, what is that thing I'm having a relationship with? The very basis of the question is the problem in a way. Because what you're saying is, I want to be able to retain myself. Be able to identify self. Keep myself. And at the same time, say that therefore, and only based on those conditions, am I going to have a relationship with God. But that itself is the problem. In other words, you're not investing to be able to tap into that energy or to that experience. You want to understand it. You want to try to make sense of something that you can't really make sense of. You want to define God to be able to say, therefore, I can have a relationship with God. That is the problem with the philosophy involved and the emotional side that, ha that you find many discuss, like uh, Kierkegaard and others that try to give some sort of even emotional side to God. The problem is, is that what you're doing is, is that you're you, essentially you're uprooting the nature of a relationship. So it's not that I'm doing things for God. I'm investing in allowing for a certain experience to take place. Now, what people res respond is, what do you mean? I've been religious for X amount of years of my life. I've been experiencing or should be experiencing certain things. Why don't I? Right? So the first answer or the basic answer would always be, I don't really think that you've really been experiencing the relationship. You could be married for someone for 20 years but never really broke. That's very possible. You could be very nice and very giving and very sharing and very committed, but that commitment is only to a point. You never have to really break. You know, it's like people that need to grow. How do you get someone to grow? If you show them that, if you make them think everything is great, they're never going to have to grow. When they finally have to hit rock bottom or they have to recognize they have a flaw, that there's something missing, that's what pushes you to grow, no? What makes you think I need to change? What makes you think I need to push harder? When you see you're, there's something you're lacking. Right? As we spoke about yesterday, meaning is based on growth. When you see you're lacking something, that pushes you to go further. You have to have awareness. You have to have various rights. Let's say the whole idea of love, love, love. No, it's not about love. It's about <laughs> recognition, the sincerity of, of what's going on. You know, you realize there's a flaw. You need to grow and need to change. But the point I'm making is, is that you could have a relationship the same way. There's nothing pushing you to actually change or whatever it is. And therefore, you just keep on going the same way, the whole way of your life, the whole way through. And therefore, I would say many religious people who are brought up religious, been religious for 8, 9, 10, 12, 15, 20, 60, uh, 25, 30, 40 years of their life, all could have that same type of relationship, quote unquote, with God, in that sense that it's, I do the do's, and I may be OCD about it, I may not be OCD about it, I may believe in it somewhat, I may not believe in it so what, right? But it's all based on a, 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 a non-relationship relationship. And then you don't experience God. Then there is no God in there. And then you feel, so what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Why am I investing in all this? Why am I at least pretending to invest in it? Why am I putting on the tzvillin? Why am I dying? Why am I keeping going? Why am I doing all these things if I'm not actually... So then you take philosophy as your, your course of action. Because then maybe philosophy could identify the God that I'm, relation, that I'm supposed to have a, related, a relationship with. And then maybe I could put sense in it. But the problem is that that falls apart. Because philosophy is going to create constructive, logical ideas of God, which inherently are flawed. If you're dealing with a logical concept of God, God is beyond logic. How could you define God within logic? It's, 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 it's a fallacy to begin with. You can't logically rationalize God because that itself is antithetical to God. But that's the fallacy in, in philosophizing God. 
but that, so to speak, the means to get there. Or you emotionalize God, where you start trying to create God, cares about me, God loves me, God feels me, God listens to me, right? So then God becomes this emotional character for you. I'm not saying we don't have that. I'm just saying it's that. It's a valid, it's also a true approach. To some extent. Yeah, but Das Tachten still has to go beyond the Yesh. The ultimate of Das Tachten is not sticking in the Yesh, it's sticking in the Ein. That means it's the full transcendency of being able to recognize that it's not about you. Okay, so we have to understand that concept, yes, because the Yesh Nivra is the Yesh Amiti, and that therefore identifies as being, we could really be me, but the real me doesn't mean an ego me. The real me, well, I got married, I identify a real me, but it's not an ego me that I was before I was married, or even the first few months of marriage. That's an idea in itself that has to be understood. But the point I'm making, and this is really answering Zami's question, but it's actually part of what the Kuzari is going to be discussing, at least to refute the philosophical point of view, is that you want to experience God, we all want to experience God. But what is the Tzamaq Tzadik saying? And it's not just a story. It's a, it's a deep understanding of the relationship with God. When you invest, when a Yid says, 99 years old, I'm going to make the ultimate self-sacrifice. And I'm not going to get into the question about if it's mutilization and brutality and how could God command that of a 99. I'm not getting into all the philosophical, emotional, moral questions right now. But the point is, if a person makes that decision, that commitment to God, and says to himself, I'm going way beyond, you broke all boundaries. It's sort of what we spoke about yesterday, about you could either become perfectly within yourself or you could be beyond yourself. When you do that, that's when you start experiencing this. And for myself, I would say there are times, very seldomly perhaps, and very weak, there are times that there has been some, maybe I could say, pseudo-experiences, where I feel like there was something I felt I'm in tune with that's beyond anything of myself that resonated with things that Hasidus will talk about. And I believe that there are people that have experienced that to some extent. Today, Hasidus says we're very, very weak in our connection to that divine revelation in any case, so what we're going to be connected to is a very weak version of any truth. And therefore, on some levels, it's a fantasy, it's not real. But the idea is, just like in a very human relationship, it's not about an it, it's not about the other. It's about the relationship idea, or even idea is wrong, but that concept, for lack of better words, of relationship is the fusion of these two. And the more you invest, the more it actually is an experience. So the question does, if you start with the question, who is the God I'm building a relationship with, that's already the beginning of the, fall, of, the, of, the, of the mistake, because you're focusing on an I, and you want to stay by myself and say, who's the girl I'm going to marry? When you say, who's the girl I'm going to marry, you're identifying there's a me, I don't want to change. Okay, doesn't mean you don't eventually change, it means you do, but if, 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 the, if, the, if the basis of your relationship is starting with the I, and it needs to be the I, then how far are you going to really invest in that relationship? Well, maybe you should say that someone should marry the most not them and then work on something like become totally not okay. them. Okay, obviously you would have to... More more reward. Well, the relationship part is just going to be caught up in. I'm just, I, you know, out, of, out of proper definition or anything close to that, I don't see how you can speak meaningfully about what you want from God. Whether what do you mean speak about meaningful? You're, you're, you're corrupting. You're using your relationship, whether that means stating what you believe in, whether that means what you're working on. Who says you have to have an objective who says you have to have an objective definition to discuss God? Where do you see that idea from? Like where do you get godliness, yes. You dis the only thing you could be discussing is godliness, perhaps. Atmos you don't discuss. 
God, you don't discuss. It's a fallacy to begin with. You, as a human being, as a rational human being, trying to discuss the creator of intelligence. What is it we don't discuss? The concept of God, period. But but you see, but that's the point. You, 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 it's not that you can't discuss it. You're working with a notion. You see, why, why would science or scientists reject God? Because scientists says it's not something that's quantifiable. It's not something that's measurable. Philosophy will say the same thing. I can't identify it. Any, any, any definition I give is faulty somewhere. So what you're left with is denying that there is a God. That's the, that, that would be the logical conclusion. It's not definable. It's not measurable. So what you're left with is saying is that it isn't. Right? But as we all know, um, the absence of proof isn't the proof of absence, right? Meaning just because you can't define something doesn't therefore give it non-existence. So what you're trying to do is that you feel wrongly, I would suggest, not just suggest, I, I'm, I'm arguing this point, that to say that I need to have a definition of God to discuss God, who says you have to discuss God? There's nothing to discuss. I'm not discussing my wife as of my wife. I'm discussing maybe the person that other people relate to, but that's not that's not my relationship with my wife. Uh, aren't we a relationship with God in a much higher level? This is um, this is a lower level, but God is like the the man of the relationship, where like the woman. That's that's Kabbalah that's tries to give some explanation. So, uh, so we're, we don't discuss God. God discusses us, but we can we can say who we. Yeah, hey, that that idea of Mashpia Makabal ideas is, is again, it it's a Kabbalistic uh, notion. It, more, it makes more sense, right? I don't know. No, I don't know if that's even true. I'm saying one, I'm making one point. Zami was discussing a specific philosophical idea about God, and and that led to this question about so who's the God that I'm talking about in, in terms of who I believe in and all that. And he wants to say you have to have a definition or you have to have some working construct to be able to discuss it. And my point is, there's nothing to discuss. In other words. You want to experience God? That's the only way you're going to get to know Him. It's an experience. It's not through, like Chassidus brings from the Zoya. The only way to really experience God is through action. It's through Torah It's not a philosophical discussion about it. There's something I will be experiencing. There's something that you're referring okay, to. Okay, so have that experience. What is, what is that you, that you're you, you want to know the experience? Well, Chassidus, Chassidus talks about that experience. What is it you're referring to when you tell Of godliness. What? What is it you're referring to when you tell that to I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you. Could you tell me what love is? How could you have a discussion of love if you can't tell me what it is? You may tell me it's, 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 it's symptoms. You may tell me of how it interacts in your life, how it plays a role, but what is it? It's a bond. It's a bond. It's a... Serotonin is not love. Serotonin is, it gets triggered by love, meaning love triggers a serotonin. That's, that's the argument that, 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 that evolutionaries want to say in order to therefore reject this whole idea that there's a concept called love because everything has to be physical. So therefore they say that serotonin produces... But what motivated serotonin to happen? <laughs> you understand? But that's the problem. That's, that, that is an argument to basically debunk any spiritual nature of things. So in my mind, I'm experiencing a connection to a person. It's not. It's just a chemical in your body. That's what they want to say. So they want to reductionize, reductionize everything to a physical phenomena, which breaks down in other areas that they'll themselves acknowledge. But philosophically or scientifically, it, so to speak, works. So it's like quantified. They can measure it. But inherently, it's flawed. No one believes, no one intuitively senses that. Well, you ask a child, what's love? It's a chemical in my brain. What? If we intuitively had sensed it, it yeah. wouldn't work. What do you mean, what wouldn't have worked? It wouldn't have been tried if we knew that, if we knew what it was. We have to have a belief in it. That's the point of this. What do you mean? It's not about a belief. Love is not a belief. Love is an experience. Know, we, have we have to imagine that it's not just serotonin in order for it to work. What do you mean I have to just imagine? It's not whether it's imagining. It's whether I intuitively sense it's something that's a serotonin 
Of course there is. Why? Because that's the reality. Because every if if you work with a a a a pristine state, you try to focus beyond when you're corrupted. You see this point I've been making recently a lot. We've been corrupted so so much today because of this whole issue that people have with religion and God. So what they've done is what people do is is they they remove any um, purity. In other words, what I sense naturally is thrown out the window, because I'll argue that what you sense naturally is not true. Boys and girls, no. You were told that way. You were nurtured that way. So therefore, there's no such a truth of boys and girls. Everything becomes within that, I can reject everything, because who says? And maybe you believed in it because you were nurtured that way, or because that's what your culture made you think. So therefore, that's what, So when you do that, you reject all inherent truth. You reject all intuitive truth, which philosophy already, Kant has already shown how it's important, how there's no, there is no reality without it. But you reject it because then you have to then argue that there's something called perhaps a god. There's such a thing called a religion. But if you say everything is basically a chemical in the brain and everything is basically not what you really think, but just based on what you just missed the gap or you were nurtured a certain way. So, yeah, of course, I can't disprove what you just said. I can't. But you should read a book called, um, um, what is it called? Um, Brainwashed. I think that's the title of the book. Brainwashed is a neuroscientist who shows you how all of these arguments that all of the neuroscience, atheistic neuroscientists try to show you, how it's just a chemical, and so, it just makes doesn't make sense if you break it down. It's a yeah, nice it's argument to reject something, not to prove anything. Atheistic. Well, I'm not saying it's I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's atheistic. What I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is all you're doing is creating like a reasonable doubt. Who knocked down the twin towers? Was it was it was it was it 19 hijackers? Or was it, was it the Bush's administration? So all you have to do is give reasonable doubt by showing imagery that maybe could have showed that it couldn't be 19 hijackers, now you're in doubt. Maybe it never happened. That's exactly what all of this nonsense creates. It takes away your pure, natural ten, um, um, direction of how you would look at something, of how you would relate to something. You reject it based on the fact that now you have reasonable logical doubt to maybe it's true or not true, and that's it. They got you. That's all they need to do. They don't have to provide you with any arguments that make. So evolution came along and now, so to speak, gave you the answer to everything. Everything is evolution, right? Because evolution is not either makes sense. It's just a guess. Why do I have emotions? Because I want to have children, and in order to have children, I need. And why do I have love? Because I have to have children. If I don't have children, I need to care for them. So therefore, I have love. So what if you have a person that loves and he doesn't want to have children, which are many? What happened to his evolutionary line? It's a flaw. You understand? So in other words, you could start, you could guess, that could work for you. Why? Because you don't have to believe in something supernatural. You don't have to connect to something higher than that. It works. It's a system that works. It's just enough reasonable doubt in the regular systems to say, I have a replacement system that I can answer all of evolution. In my mind, you're rejecting the purity of what I know, the purity that I sense to, the purity I connect to. Why is my intuition should be rejected? Because you have a, a hiccup of a discussion, of a, of, a, of a guessing game of what happened because you like it, because it replaces your belief system. I don't have to buy into that. And the same thing is with all of this. You want to tell me that love is something that you could define, that you could have a conversation with? You want to tell me you could have a conversation because now you could construct a, 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 a discussion about the aspects of love to say I have a conversation, and really love is a made-up thing because it's only a chemical in the brain. That's all you're trying to do is reject what I sense purely on a pure level, that there is such a concept of something, me feeling a genuine in, interest and in, in attachment and connection to things. It's, it's a, a drive. It's a drive that's beyond any chemicals, that's that pushes the chemicals maybe, it motivates the chemicals, right? When you want to have relations with a woman, right? So you're saying there's a chemical that starts off and that's when it makes you want to have the relationship, or you get triggered by yourself. There's something that you see that stimulates you, and then, the tr then that stimulates your, your horm hormones. Which comes first? So evolution, or say the hormones came first. 
right? So for that price, it really doesn't make a difference, right? What, where, and how. In other words, you could be stimulated in any way. But if you if, if you look at it, know that there is some sort of maybe uh, metaphysical thing, right? That triggers it. So that's a whole different. But again, I can't reject your way of thinking. I can't prove it wrong because that is how strong the replacement value is. The replacement of the argument by another argument makes it hard to differentiate truth from non-truth because it is very strong in a logical system. I'm saying I intuitively don't sense that. And in this book, Brainwash, he does, he does try to prove it. But the point I'm trying to say is... I don't, don't, it, have, that, don't have that like, uh, logical... Whatever, they don't have abstraction. The point I'm getting at, the point I'm trying to make is that um, the point I'm trying to make is that when you're trying to in art day when we're trying to make sense of things and trying to feel like we're all educated and, and, and knowledgeable and we can understand everything because science makes us believe that we could understand the whole universe and we could understand everything even though the more we, we've discovered about science the less we really understand but besides that the fact that, like, in the 1800s, they predict, they said, the scientist says, we have discovered everything that needs to be discovered. That was a statement made by the scientists in the 1800s. Since then, there has been triple or quadruple amount of information that they totally were unaware of. The point is, the more you study, the more you realize that you don't know. But the point I'm trying to get to, again, just to finish off, is that this idea of needing a of being able to quantify things, measure things, give it a certain physical substance or identity, something within a realm of me being able to play with it logically, is like the Altrebe says in Tani, it's like basically trying to say, I could touch your wisdom. It just doesn't match. Could you touch my seichel? Could I touch your seichel? Does it make sense to say that? No. Maybe science will say, yeah, because seichel is just a neuron flowing in the brain. A neuron is a chemical, so maybe you could touch my seichel. Does that make sense to you to say that? But that's what they'll argue. They'll argue that that's exactly what it is. Seichel is purely a chemical in the brain based on a neuron that's through an active potential being fired, and that's all it is. That's all Seichel. So I could touch the Seichel, but no human, no person would ever think that way. It's, it's, it's totally not in the same ballpark. It doesn't relate. So Neuralink, Neuralink, like, what, do you think that could happen? Like, the connecting your brain to computers? And no, that could happen. That's brain waves. There's definitely physical elements going on in the brain, but it's not that that's what's motivating your thoughts. You wouldn't feel that like you motivate your thoughts, and then you just generate brain waves. You can't have more brain waves if you can't. If it's all just limited to your brain waves, then how do you create more brain waves? But anyway, the point I'm just getting at again, last, just to finish off with this point, is that it, you, it, the, the biggest problem is is that you create you the feeling of the need to create a structure to make sense of it, and therefore you're going to di distort or remove any sense of what I know or relate to on an experience from an experience point of view is basically what we're living with today so you can reject everything there's no love there's no difference between males and females there's no difference between there's no idea called god all of these things are rejected because inherently there's no existence of them that's what the argument is inherently they don't exist it's all a chemical it's all an evolutionary process it's all of this it's all of that you have nothing left there's no truth to anything anymore right and, and to some extent, there's a truth to that also, because I'm sort of sweet talk, I say that, but you know, on some level, but, and that's why I think we're holding on that stage now. But the point, that, but, but that's the problem. The problem is, is that you're, we're trying to define God, and we think we need it, and like, so you can't have a discussion. Well, who said you need a discussion? You discuss love. How do you know what love is? It's chemical, so now I can discuss it. That's ridiculous. It's, 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 it's sort of, it's, it, it, whatever. It's, it just doesn't resonate with any, pure 
objective logic. It just doesn't resonate. It's it's a, it's a falsification of logic. It's a it's a removal of non the, the, the inherent truth that we all know. It works so to some you, extent. You're saying, you're saying I think that you think all that the stuff that is trying to figure ways it's an illusion. It's something like the satan the satan trying to make you disprove God. That's what the people, the people it's not the Satan. It's not just the Satan. God created these uh, rules of nature and God created logic to make us think this way. He first, made us first to have belief in, in something higher than just to, in order to finally really have freedom of choice, he had to create this counter argument which is saying that everything is not like it's just physical. Everything is that's the only way you could have a free choice. Because how why am I going to gravitate to God? If I really if I always sense God I'm not going to grab, it's not going to be a free choice. No, my logic says there is no God. Why? Because I can't define it and I can't identify him. I don't know what it is. So then I'm not going to, so then from logical point of view, I'm being forced not to acknowledge what I may know intuitively. Freedom of choice says now I could, I have the freedom to choose my intuition or my deep true side than my logical side. That's exactly what freedom of choice is. That's the definition of freedom of choice. You can choose the Sadhana, you can choose but it's deeper than that. This it's that I could I could use my logic to disprove something, and God wants you to do that, and then make choices based on what I know to be inherently true. I could say my wife is not the best person for me, and basically build a logic there for Shalom, whatever. Or I could say I could intuit what I know I intuited when I first met her, or wanted to marry her. So according to science, it's all nonsense. It never happened. Okay, it's already late. I don't know if you want to shut the floor. Yeah.